Welcome to the Security Sessions podcast, brought to you by Talist and hosted by me, Nera Jones. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing the technologies, people, and processes behind information security and delving into topics like data security, remote access, and digital transformation. We'll be speaking to Talis and industry experts to bring you fresh perspectives on how to navigate the world of cloud security. Today's episode is entitled The Human Element of Cybersecurity. Do we have a skills gap? Over the past few years, the definition of the Chief Information Security Officer has changed as business environments have evolved. With digital transformation, cloud and hybrid working taking on an increasingly dominant role in the day-to-day operation of the typical organization, the CISO has a unique and highly valuable role to play. However, we often hear talk of a skills gap and a shortage of IT workers in the security world. Do you think that this is the case? And if so, what can the industry do about it? Today, I have two fantastic guests, Ashwin Kamaraju, VP of Engineering at Thales, and Tom Langford, CISO at DXE Technology. So Tom, have we got a skills gap in the industry? Yeah, hi, Nira. No, we don't. I, I'm, I'm resolutely against all of this talk of, the, of there being a skills gap, um, there being a shortage of, of skilled security workers, etc., etc. I think we, what we have fundamentally is, is an attitude gap when it comes to uh, recruitment and, and hiring into organisations. Uh, and I always, I, I always like drawing that analogy of, you know, any army around the world, they, what, they, what they don't do is go out to the market and see if they can find you know, a qualified sniper or a qualified tank driver or a horse rider or whatever. They don't. What they do is they recruit people, they check for aptitudes, and then they will start to um, encourage and grow and train and support those people into becoming the best that they can be, be it a sniper or a tank driver or a horse rider or whatever else it is that, that, that they need. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, we as security professionals can't go out and occasionally fill certain gaps with, you know, pre, pre-trained people. But really, we should be looking far more broadly and far more uh, uh, deeply in, within our own organisations at people who are passing, you know, our attitude tests. Do they have... Uh, an aptitude for security? Are they interested? Are they engaging in it? Rather than just trying to constantly find these triangular pegs to fill these triangular holes all the time. Absolutely. I totally agree, Tom. And Ashvin, what's your perspective on this? Yeah, I agree with Tom. I think Tom has put it uh, very uh, well. Uh, What we look for is uh, folks with broad... uh, attitude, aptitude, and technology skills and communication skills, right? Uh, Because it's not just security, it's security of what, right? There's complex technology systems and people uh, and the talent should be able to connect the dots together. So 
we also uh, provide an opportunity to people who have the right aptitude uh, and the interest in, in pursuing a security discipline or competency. And we provide ample internal training uh, to tailor uh, to our needs and uh, how we go about our business. So skills gap is really, uh, you know, an overused uh, term, not very germane. Absolutely. I totally agree with both of you, Tom and Ashwin. So, so talking about this uh, perceived skills gap, which is not really there, let's do a bit of uh, finger pointing here. So what, what, uh, who's to blame? I mean, what can the industry do about this? Oh, we are to blame. We, we, we should point the finger directly at ourselves. I mean, we're so used to, to you know, throwing our hiring needs over the wall at, you know, our HR and hiring teams and saying, go find me somebody to fill this gap, rather than actually uh, engaging with the HR teams and telling them what we're looking and looking for and, and assisting in that process. We just kind of, you know, outsource it so it's not our problem and that when something goes wrong, it's because... It's, it's not because we've got, uh, you know, problematic leadership or, or anything like that. It's because HR have hired the wrong person. So I think we really need to be, you know, looking at ourselves far more closely, seeing what we are doing about it. How are we engaging as security professionals? How are we engaging with the communities around us? Are we supporting uh, young people are, are we are we uh, engaging in community events or, or sponsoring community events there's plenty out there that actually encourage people from different you know uh, socioeconomic and uh, you know um, uh, maybe even more neurodivergent backgrounds to to come and join our companies because we are going to provide them with a great environment in which they can grow and learn and actually become either you know very established uh, cybersecurity professionals or leaders in their own right or or whatever. Um, but we are always looking at this such short term. It's always I need something now, this instant, to fill this particular gap, and I, you know, and I'll wait a year, you know, for that person, that right person to arrive, rather than actually just trying to grow naturally and be constantly looking, you know, far more long term. Yeah, and I and, and I think uh, uh, just broadly, right, if you look at uh, what transpired in the past three years, we have. Uh, definitely a talent shortage. Uh, we also have uh, way too many positions open in the industry, in the in the high tech industry, be it cybersecurity or otherwise. And you know, you sort of correlate that with uh, you know all the data breaches or ransomware attacks or all the privacy regulations that are coming into play. Uh, there's a tendency for the security industry to amplify uh, sort of the uh, talent shortage into a skills gap. And and that's not quite right. And I think, uh, as Tom pointed out, uh, we have to have more uh, industry outreach. Uh, I think influencing even uh, uh, university curriculums, right? Because I don't think they really teach good practical cybersecurity uh, in, in, in universities. It tends to be a little bit more academic and theoretical. I think influencing the curriculum and better preparing our future generation of uh, 
in, uh, engineers and security practitioners uh, will help address a lot of these uh, perceived gaps. Yeah, and and let's face it, it's been you know for the longest time, and it has changed recently. But for the longest time, it's it's been an old boys club. You know, I think what was it the um, uh, uh, it was it was something like only one in ten cybersecurity professionals uh, were women. Um, I know that's changed, and I think it might be one in six now. But you know, when I started, even just sort of fifteen years ago, it was it was incredibly male dominated, and, and there has been you know plenty of push. To, to, to broaden that out because we're doing ourselves a disservice. We're actually cutting back on the, uh, the pool of people that we can draw from by being so restrictive and so closed off. So it's in our interests because it, we will al- allow ourselves to actually get a far greater or access to a far greater pool of qualified and seriously you know high quality people by being far more inclusive uh, about our hiring practices and far more open and flexible and 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 actually practical about it than than we have been doing for 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 well f- forever true Right, and uh, what I'm also both hearing you uh, say is that perhaps the security industry has a has a branding problem. I mean, I personally don't know of uh, any youngsters in my uh, in my circles uh, going through university that actually have make or have or are making a deliberate move to uh, to the security industry because it's perceived to be really, really technical there are so many other skills that yeah. the industry needs such as uh, program management and communication so Ashvin uh, what what's your take on that uh, I tend to agree it's security's uh, one element right uh, an important element of uh, you know securing and protecting all of our assets and uh, it's uh, everybody's responsibility. And what we look for is uh, talent or, you know, engineers who have a broad background, right? Because the technology is complex, is changing at warp speed. Uh, So we need people who can uh, grasp, uh, adapt to change, communicate, and understand the context of the overall security. I mean, there are uh, many aspects to security. But that has to be implemented with the technology that's at play, right? So the ability to understand all of that and 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 implement a good uh, security posture for the uh, uh, organization uh, and its assets and manage the risk are the are the important uh, sort of uh, behavioral elements that we look for in uh, people. Right, it, it's not something very canned that comes out of a program. Uh, it's not cookie cutter. Uh, it's it's something that you develop, right? And and for that, you need to hire the right people with the right aptitude and attitude and an interest, and uh, you know develop them. That's my perspective. I would disagree that we that we might have a. A um, a branding problem in in security. 
uh, in the security industry. I would absolutely say that we definitely have a branding problem in you know in in the industry uh, as a whole. It's not there's no maybe about it. I mean, the, everything is gears. You know, is it, it's very much a you know a male orientated um, you know white collar role. Um, very much seen you know both through media and through. Um, you know, through our sort of events and things like that. I mean, it it doesn't. You know, there's the irony isn't lost on me in the fact that you know I'm a I'm a well I'll, I'll say I'm a middle aged white man. I'm, I don't know what what age I am really, but uh, you know, the middle aged you know short fat white bald man. Which actually, if you do a quick search on LinkedIn for CISO, you'll see about ninety percent of them are short fat middle aged and bald for a for a start. <laughs> um, so. It's not lost on me entirely, and I think you know our branding problem is that you know, and we, and you know, you, you've both hinted at this. It's information security is is not just technology, and I think you know the the, the accepted term of cyber security kind of you know judges it up a little bit, but in reality. There's roles around risk, around disaster recovery, around certification and audits. And there are skills there that are not technology focused that really, really can be brought to bear so effectively. Um, I, know, I know, for instance, uh, I, I did a talk about, um, you know, auditing and being on you know both sides of the table during an audit and how to carry out an interview and things like that. And I was asked afterwards if I'd had um, police interrogation training because, that was, you know, some of the things I was talking about were clearly, uh, allegedly or apparently, were, were, were clearly how you elicit information from a, an unwilling suspect. Uh, I know somebody who's um, uh, one of their key auditors has actually, you know, has not got a cybersecurity degree. They've got a degree in psychology. Now, if that person can't pick apart your uh, uh, your incentives and, you know, where it is that you're trying to you know, tell the auditor, I, d- I don't know who. So, there is this is such a broad, rich uh, seam uh, of of roles to be had here in this industry. That again, we do ourselves this disservice of cybersecurity is just technology, and if you don't know technology, you can't get in. We need you know anybody and everybody. Tom, I would slightly push back on that comment. I think. Uh... In all of the uh, aspects of uh, security that you just uh, listed out, which is very true, right? You need auditors, you need certification experts, regulators, uh, you know, psychologists. It depends on on, on sort of uh, the role you're playing and the organization you're in. But we live in a world where technology is, uh, you know, the underpinning of uh, what we do today. Everything is changing, changing fast. So. I'm not saying you need a PhD in computer science, but you really need to understand technology, whether it's certification or auditing or any of those things. Uh, Even if you want to understand what a privacy regulation is, you need to understand about identities and data and how it's stored. And uh, what I'm trying to make a point of is that the foundational aspects are very technology-driven. Everything else, uh, you know, you build upon it, right? You may not code. You may not uh, be an expert uh, in in a certain area of uh, uh, technologies. However, you have to be able to understand it and the context uh, that you must have uh, requires you to understand the technology well. 
And while that, while that's true, I do think that technology as a as a principle is far is a far easier thing to teach than say being able to understand uh, you know risk as this rather you know etheric esoteric concept and being able to apply that to real world scenarios or knowing when somebody is is uh, dare I say trying to to lie to you or to to mislead you in an audience or things like that those kinds of skills are far harder to 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 teach than say learning about you know box a box b and this is what you know this is what tcp ip is and this is what encryption is etc you know and again i i i'm not disagreeing with you per se but i do think you know the, 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 those core technology concepts are ones that are far easily you know far more easily taught than actually attitude and uh, you know culture and and approach uh, can be I mean, true, but it, but, but it also, I don't see that necessarily a, a requirement in every uh, CISO's uh, organization, right? Uh, I, I don't know. At least uh, you're the CISO, I'm the head of products. But uh, it depends on how big that CISO's remit is, right? You know, and in, sure. in theory, it's not, it's not just a technology role, it's a business role. So, so what does it take to be a CISO in the modern hybrid world then? I mean, how has the world changed over the last few years? Well, I, w- I would say that it's moved away from technology, to be honest with you. I think this, the CISO role itself, when it first came about, came from the world of technology. In fact, security as a whole came from the world of technology. If you know you you were the, the IT guy who knew about security and therefore you can now be the IT security guy. But I think it's broadened out from there now. It's no longer IT security, it's information security. It's it's far it's far broader and wider than that. And that again is where why one of the um other sources, in fact, normally the secondary and tertiary sources of, of CISOs, is either consulting uh, or even some finance and legal. So, you know, from a uh, a um, consult from that consulting perspective of being able to see the the business as a whole, or even from a compliance perspective as a as a legal framework. Uh, but I think it is changed and and evolved because again, the CISO used to report to the CIO. Uh, or even the head of legal, whereas, frankly, that that viewpoint needs to be unfiltered. It needs to be at the same level. It should be at the same level as the COO, the CFO, etc. Um, because uh, again, a CISO's role is, you know, despite the name, is not to make the business the most secure in the world. Because if they do that, they will cripple the business. The business won't actually be able to compete. Their role is to allow that business to sell more stuff, build more widgets, sell more services, whatever that might be, through the use of security. If they don't understand the business, if they don't really see how risk impacts the business, how legal frameworks impact the business, how people impact the business, how compliance impacts the business, and how security impacts the business, then they're not going to be effective. I think you nailed it on the head, right? I think. Uh... Definitely, the CISO's role has evolved uh, um, very much along the lines you've uh, described. Uh, as as more of the digital transformation takes place, uh, a lot of uh, sort of the securities and 
you know, in, in the shift left paradigm, moving into developers and you know, new disciplines like DevSecOps and so on. The CISOs has to work with the developers and the development teams and the product teams. And it's all about risk management, uh, managing if you're offering a, a, a SaaS uh, service uh, for your uh, business uh, to manage the security risk postures uh, being compliant. Uh, data privacy is a big uh, uh, you know, uh, emerging uh, uh, regulatory requirement now, being uh, fully aware of that and understanding the risks uh, that come with it, being able to comply. Those are the roles of the, the, the modern CISO. And I think it's more a business uh, role and an influencer. And I absolutely agree with if, if you become too uh, hard on uh, security, then yeah, you do, uh, you know, create a sort of a very rigid organization as opposed to a flexible, agile organization that can uh, execute and move fast, right? Uh, so I uh, agree with uh, uh, all of the points that you made. Absolutely. So we've been talking about skills. We've been talking about the evolving role of uh, the CISO. Uh, there's one thing we haven't yet touched upon. So if we could do that now, which is uh, in terms of the people themselves that might be interested in the industry, uh, we we think perhaps that there is still a lack of minority groups involved in our industry. So how can we uh, use a more diverse recruitment approach to attract, for example, more women or neurodiverse uh, groups and uh, other minority groups? What do you think, Tom? Uh, so, so, so yes, and I think we touched on this, uh, uh, you know, a few minutes back. You know, women in security, I think, was was absolutely a major issue when when I started uh, in the in the industry around fifteen years or so ago. And we've seen a massive sea changes there. You know, with the the, the provisioning and the supporting of community groups and women in security. And I think um, Ladies That Hack is a is an organisation. Girls Who Code, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And these are all supported by you know, grassroots organizations, charities, etc. Um, and also, to be, you know, to be frank, financially supported by um, companies like, like the ones that are on this call today, you know, the big companies with deeper pockets, in order, you know, to support those types of, of, of organizations. And we need to do that again, we need to engage Again, at that community level, be that at you know community youth projects or conferences such as uh, B sides, for instance, security B sides, uh, you know, a, a community driven global phenomenon, also, almost that uh, um, actually runs not for profit uh, conferences uh, and encourages first time speakers, encourages younger people, runs workshops for. Uh, students and for you know for people with limited means and we need to sort of ch champion these kinds of causes and uh, championing uh, the, the the people that we want more greatly represented you know minor uh, ethnic minorities uh, neurodivergent uh, people etc we need to actually support that and really 
The easiest way to do that is do a Google search, find out what's going on in your local area or local country even, and put your money where your mouth is. Actually start to either sponsor these things or sponsor and contribute. Try and get involved, be that either on a board or something. Um, you know, Perhaps even start some internships, some volunteer roles, some you know, paid internships, that sort of thing for people who – ordinarily wouldn't even get a look in, you know, wouldn't even get their CV past uh, HR. Uh, one of the most useful things I saw a company do at an early B-Sides was run uh, CV workshops, actually helping people. Um, I think it was one of the big five at the time that wrote that, that ran it, or big four, though I don't know however many there are left of them, um, you know, the and, and basically saying this is the sort of CV that we expect that we would – you know, look out for and this is how you can mold yours to be more attractive because a lot of these people are not confident in their skills they've been pushed back a lot of time they've been told for the longest time that security is not for them or this industry is not for them we need to be actively engaging and encouraging and you know if we all did a little bit it would make a, a massive difference anything to add ashwin i think tom captured it all i think those are all excellent, excellent uh, sort of uh, points, uh, and we need, we all need to do our bit. And and also, companies such as Thales and many other large enterprises are now having, uh, you know, diversity as an explicit, measurable objective. So uh, we're all incented in all of the different functions within the enterprise to uh, make an investment in this area and uh, grow these uh, untapped uh, pool of talent, right? So it's an imperative. That's great. And we can talk about this for a very long time, but I'm afraid that's all we have time for. But before I let you both go, I will ask each one of you for a very quick one last tip for our listeners, starting with you, Ashwin. I would say... Uh, just to recap, right? Uh, so the skills gap is really, uh, uh, I think, is a, a bit of a hype. Uh, there is a talent shortage, but uh, we need to be investing more into uh, our own uh, recruitment efforts, uh, look for broad uh, skills. Uh, I would still say uh, a bit with the technology bent uh, for most part of what we do. Uh, have a very good internal training program. I mean, uh, I see we have invested a lot in internal training programs and, and we make it mandatory for everybody, not, not just security professionals, but for everybody to be aware of the security context and take these courses every year and we update those courses as the world is evolving. Uh, we want to influence uh, inf university curriculums and and have that outreach into the community and uh, uh, be able to recruit talent from uh, uh, you know universities and community colleges and so on. And more importantly, uh, the role of the CISO is changing as a business influencer and uh, a risk manager. Thank you, Ashwin. And your one last tip, Tom. I, I would say if you're if you're a leader in this industry, put your money where your mouth is. 
uh, either quite literally hand over cash to somebody, really try and support an event or a program or a youth community project, an outreach project of some description. Uh, or if you're not in control of the cash, then then contribute some time, get involved with um, these local events, get involved with these, uh, you know, community activities, etc. Uh, even, you know, go, uh, there, there are plenty of organisations out there that organise um, uh, the speaking of cybersecurity at schools. You can, you know, really start to engage with people early, inspire them, inspire them to to want to join this industry because it's a great place to be where you can really make a big difference, not just to a company's profits, but to people's lives. You can, you know, by by stopping that one uh, social engineer and attack uh, against somebody's financial records, you will have changed somebody's life immeasurably. Uh, you might not be recognised for it publicly, but the impact you have is is phenomenal. And to inspire somebody to want to get engaged with that, wherever they come from, whatever their socioeconomic uh, or ethnic background or you know neurodivergent background, it doesn't matter. The impact you can have is significant, and we should be inspiring everybody to want to be a part of it. Thank you, Tom. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for. You have been listening to the Talis Security Sessions podcast. Today's episode was entitled The Human Element of Cybersecurity. Do we have a skills gap? Love this episode of the Talis Security Sessions podcast? Search us out on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast service to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to visit us at cpl.talisgroup.com to access previous episodes, bringing you insights from industry experts on the latest cloud and data security news and trends. Thank you for listening. <laughs>